when they started locking down the ports where nobody can even go outside the vessel that's when everybody on board realized that oh this is really serious this is the global pandemic welcome to world versus virus a podcast from the world economic forum that aims to make sense of the covid19 outbreak this week seafarers thousands of them were stuck at sea for months when the pandemic struck and countries went into lockdown we'll hear from on board this container ship one of, one of my crew members at the moment who's supposed to go home he's just uh, become a farmer uh, and is not able to go home and, and uh, see a Shipping companies and labour unions are united in calling for global action to stop the problem, which is taking a terrible toll on seafarers. You have to imagine being on board a ship without any uh, line of sight on when you can expect to go home to your families and loved ones. Missing birthdays, weddings, funerals, being able to be there for critical ill uh, family members. So it has been a, a tremendous psychological strain. Please subscribe to receive the podcast whenever it lands. Just search World vs. Virus on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to like, rate, and review us. Marriages has been broken. Members of the family are dying. People could not cope with stress and situation on board. I'm Robin Pomeroy, digital editor at the World Economic Forum, and with a look at the plight of the world's stranded seafarers, this is World vs. Virus. Most people around the world had their lives severely disrupted by the emergence of COVID-19. But spare a thought for the many thousands of people working at that time on ships. They might be considered hardy types used to spending weeks at sea and away from home. But when the pandemic hit and countries locked down, they suddenly found they were unable to disembark and were forced to spend months more on board ships where they may already have been living for half a year. The problem still exists and shipping companies and labour unions are calling for seafarers to be given special status as essential workers to allow them easier travel and priority access to vaccines. On this episode of World vs Virus we'll be hearing from two merchant seafarers, one thankfully now back home in the Philippines after many more months than she had hoped to spend on board and another will speak to us direct from his ship as he sails past Sicily towards the Suez Canal. He doesn't expect to set foot on dry land until March. But first, I spoke to Niels Bruce, head of marine HR at Maersk from the Container Line's headquarters in Copenhagen, to find out when the problem had started. Yeah, so the, the problem basically emerged back in March when it became apparent that we would be unable for a period of time to relieve our seafarers whose contracts were completed. Um, normally, in a company like Maersk, where we have uh, 6,600 seafarers on board the ships at any given time, we would have two, 300 reliefs every week. So we ended up in a situation where we, for two months, were unable to relieve our colleagues at sea. And even after two months, it was extremely cumbersome due to the, the legislation, the, the requirements from governments and the lack of uh, available flights uh, for our crew uh, to be relieved. When we peaked in Maersk alone, we had uh, around 2,600 uh, colleagues who had already completed their contracts and needed to go home. And that was the situation we were in around end of June. And we didn't really have any line of sight on when and how we could clear that backlog. So that's how things got started for us. Let's talk about the impact it has, kind of the human impact. What effect does this have on those seafarers who are stuck out there much longer than they should be? Well, you have to imagine being on board uh, a ship without any uh, line of sight on when you can expect to go home to your families and loved ones. 
And you're also in a scenario where you are in contact with your spouse and your children on, on the internet uh, basically every day without being able to inform them around when you'll, you'll be coming home. The stress that you're under is enormous, not to mention missing uh, birthdays, weddings, uh, funerals, being able to be there for critical ill uh, family members. Uh, the number of cases we have had with, with, the, with these significant personal impact is, is, is it's a long list, unfortunately. So it has been a, a tremendous psychological uh, strain. What you and other shipping lines and people involved in the shipping industry are calling for, this recognition of seafarers as key workers, how would that happen and what difference would it make? The difference it would make is that seafarers should be able to have free movement uh, across the world so that they can come out and relieve their colleagues. Uh, so uh, it is a human right that uh, you can go home to your families when you have uh, ended your contract and you can travel freely. Of course, it needs to be done in a, in a safe environment where we need to be mindful of the, the challenges that uh, COVID is posing on the world. Um, so what we would like to see is that uh, seafarers are prioritized, of course, under certain uh, guidelines and, and restrictions, uh, but seafarers are prioritized and given access to enter countries in order to relieve their colleagues. Uh, that's what we're calling for and that's what we would like all governments to adapt to. Why is it so difficult to persuade governments to do that, do you think? Is, is it that shipping is it just gets on with itself and it's a kind of thing for most of us, it's fairly invisible? And also that governments, I guess, they've had so many other priorities to deal with. I mean, what's your theory? Because each of these enormous ships, they only have a couple of dozen people on board. It doesn't strike me as the most difficult thing to get them on and off a ship safely. Why do you think it's just been so difficult? I don't think, in, in many cases, I don't think it's, it's lack of will. But uh, the challenge that we see in many cases is that we are in a global industry. And most, uh, what we have seen, especially with the COVID pandemic, that most legislation is focused around the internal environment. So health authorities are looking at their own, within their own borders, their own population. Um, and, you know, it's easy to close the borders and, and consider the impact of that looking at your internal uh, population. But the fact that you are also restricting free movement of uh, global uh, workers is not considered uh, in, that, in that space. And I think that's the biggest challenge uh, that we see. Uh, and that's where it would be great for, for our, you know, the, the, the countries with the key influence in, in this would come together and actually set up guidelines on how to, to ensure that, uh, that seafarers could, uh, could move freely. Has there been any kind of global agreement? I understand there have been talks, there's various UN agencies that deal with, with shipping and this kind of thing. H have there been any agreements um, or does there need to be a big agreement or is it just the case that everyone knows what they've got to do, but they just now have to implement it? I don't think there is a, or there is no global agreement as such. There's a lot of willingness from everybody, from the UN to down to individual governments uh, on supporting this. And my impression is that most governments actually say, yes, they would, they would consider uh, seafarers key workers. But when it comes down to local legislation, we really, in many cases, do not see that ENSA meeting. Uh, and that's what we need to see. Um, whether that's going to come through global legislation or, or global guidance um, remains to be seen. Uh, but, it, but it seems that there is kind of a gap between 
decision making at the high level and implementation uh, in the front line and, and, and locally. And that's the, the biggest challenge that we see on a daily basis. That's the head of marine HR at Maersk Shipping Line in Copenhagen, Niels Bruce. To find out what it's like to be a stranded seafarer, I spoke to two seafarers. The first was Maria Cristina Javalena. She's the first woman captain in the Philippines. Back home in Manila, she told me about what life was like for more than 10 months at sea. I joined the vessel last quarter of last year, and we were actually in China. Um, We were doing a dry ducking. So it's just like, uh, this pandemic is chasing our vessel, you know. As soon as we left China, that's the time we we received some news that there is some virus going on and all this. So, like, that is the first quarter, that's the, the critical stage where um, nobody can give us, like, uh, the, the exact information of what's going on. When they started locking down the ports where nobody can go nobody can even go outside the vessel and then when they are even more put stringent restriction for crew changes that's like it hits hard to most of us that's when everybody on board realized that oh you know like sorry for the word like shit this is really serious this is really you know like the global pandemic everybody was expecting that uh, we, we will do the crew change on the next port it's just a few hours from our previous port on the same country. And then that's when we get to know that they already um, they already shut down the, the crew changes or they made the lockdown. So nobody can disembark the vessel anymore. And thereafter, we are still hoping on the next, on the next port or the next country where we're going to go. But then the moment when we arrive in port, right, when everybody was arranged, then they said that, okay, crew changes was cancelled. And then it goes from one port to another and to another. So you were meant to end your time at sea on this particular occasion around February time. But then, then you couldn't. So how long did you have to stay on board? I stay on board until end of July. So that's basically more than ten and a half month, uh, ten and a half months of my contract. It's very hard. I can't deny the fact that uh, no matter how strong you are, at some point, uh, you will be you will be hit. It's not only that we have to think ourselves, right? But we also have to think with our family. And I can see the struggle also with my crew. And it's very actually hard for me. I'm, I'm usually a very happy person. I used to like to to motivate myself a lot but then at some point there there is some there are moments in my life that um I got a little bit of depressed we have to be more resilient and emotionally we have to be strong because otherwise if we're going to put everything like you know in a depression state uh we we're all going to go crazy so how did you manage to keep spirits up with the other your 20 crew members, how, how did you manage to to keep them from going crazy? I have to emotionally attach with them because I have some crew which has different, um, uh, different issues in life. They have different challenges. Uh, some, some are, you know, marriages has been broken. Uh, members of the family are dying. 
people could not cope up with stress and people could not cope up with the present situation on board. I always tell them that we should never let anybody alone, especially after working hours. Because you'll never know what people might gonna think. And every time we will do our safety training, I always keep on reminding them that uh, the only um, valid information that we are receiving are uh, that we should uh, believe are those informations that coming from our company. It's just like for for example, right? One of my crew was saying that oh, I heard from from the other company that. Um, there is no crew change until the next year. Oh, we cannot go home anymore. And then if, if you die, um, they will just throw you out at sea. You know, some sort like that, like very scaring. And even some information that has been scattering from, from their families, like especially from wives, like, you know, uh, pressuring them. You should go home now because we cannot uh, leave the, the apartment. Uh, your son is sick. I'm getting sick. Like, you know, some, some things like this. So with any luck, you think that by the t next time you get on a ship, you're hoping it won't be as chaotic. Is that right? We are now living in a new world and we have to, we have to accept on that because there's no, way we, there's no way we have to go back to where we are before. It's just like what what is happening right now, then we have to move forward. Because nonetheless, if we keep on like, you know, resisting to everything, then it's even more difficult. I think the most important part is acceptance and, um, you know, uh, be resilient. I think that is the most used word <laughs> for everybody, right? <laughs> A world warming by more than four degrees would probably not be insurable anymore. Unless we see a, a change in policies, uh, we do believe that the risks of staying invested will increase and at one point be uh, untenable. We want it to be absolutely out of coal, both on the investment and on the insurance side. This week, can investors save the planet? Short-term thinking, short-term orientation, living quarter to quarter, deprives companies of the resources they need, the mindset they need, the culture they need to really do great things. We need to include a social and environmental dimension in any decision making in the markets. We talk to the innovators trying to harness the power of global finance for the environment. Investor capitalism is necessary to really save the world. You know, if you take 7 billion people and you align their incentives in this way around standards of living and economic returns and investor capitalism, they will deliver a lot faster than any government mandate. And I think this is an opportunity for those of us in this next generation to stand up and be counted and to say, this is who we are, this is what we stand for, this is what is right. That's House on Fire from the World Economic Forum. The Metamask container ship is almost 400 metres long, about the length of four football pitches end-to-end. -end. Let's face it, it's getting on for half a kilometre long, and it can carry something like 18,000 containers. I spoke by satellite phone to its captain, Thomas Havilborg, a few days before Christmas, and asked him how things were going. The ship that we're on at the moment is uh, Metamask, uh, and uh, we have just uh, left uh, Europe with a destination for uh, Asia, with more or less uh, almost full load of uh, cargo at the moment. We are just passing uh, south of uh, Sicily Island right now, and we'll be in the Suez Canal uh, passing through on the 19th. 
Christmas is going to be celebrated in the Indian Ocean on the way to Singapore. Right now the weather is uh, splendid, very little wind and uh, nice temperatures, so uh, we can walk around in our shirt and enjoy the uh, sunshine. Even though we have a big deck, then it is actually covered with containers and the only way that we are above the containers and can look out and, and observe the world is, is basically from the bridge. Uh, most of our cabins have uh, containers standing outside their windows. So we know about this problem of the difficulty of having crew changes. It's been going on for almost a year now. What's the situation now? There is uh, still, uh, looking at it right now, a huge difference in uh, difficulty in getting crew changes. Uh, in Europe, it is in general possible possible to have crew members uh, come on board. Uh, but depending on what countries they're coming from, it is very cumbersome for them to travel out to the vessels. And uh, now where we're approaching Asia, the only remote option that we have of crew change actually is Singapore. All other ports and uh, all the rotation in Asia is closed down. It is not possible for us to do any crew changes or anything like that. Uh, further than that, in, uh, in uh, Suez that we're coming to right now, I have just had to cancel uh, six crew changes. Uh, I have six crew members on board who was expecting to go home for Christmas. Uh, and they are now uh, have to stay on board and celebrate Christmas with the uh, rest of the crew. Uh, and obviously they would have liked to be with their families. And the reason for that is that it is simply too risky to sign up a lot of crew members in Suez uh, because if they are tested, uh, and quite often in Suez we get a false positive uh, test, but if they get a positive test, then they are not allowed ashore, and I would have to sail from Suez with both the on-signers and the off-signers on board, uh, which I do not have the uh, life-saving appliances for. So, so that is not really that. That is extremely difficult, and 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 would encounter heavy delays on the ships and on the cargo and everything uh, if we do that. Uh, so it is it is a really really difficult time to get the crew changes uh, through. So what does all that mean for members of your crew? People have to uh, stay on board. Uh, generally, most of them will have to stay on board for around six months, which is two round trips uh, back to Europe. Uh, some of them is going to be uh, considerably more than six months. Some of them is going to be close to eight months, which is way above their, their contract length as well. If we look back at the uh, spring uh, in uh, February, March, April, uh, May, uh, all of my crew basically were on board for more than six months, some of them as long as uh, 10 months. One of, one of my crew members at the moment who's supposed to go home, he's just uh, become a father uh, and is not able to go home and, and uh, see his child. So when will he see the baby? He was supposed actually to go home from Asia, but it looks like he's at least going to be two months uh, delayed in, in, in going home and, 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 and seeing his child. So what do you see as the end to this problem? Well, apart from uh, what everybody is hoping for, that the corona goes away, then uh, I would really hope that the world will uh, recognize the uh, seafarers as, as key workers uh, so that it's going to be possible for us to travel uh, through countries without having to get uh, special visas and so on and so forth. Um, right now, it is difficult to impossible when some of the countries that we are traveling to and from demand that people they go in 14 days quarantine uh, when signing on and off the vessels um, so I, I really hope that that worldwide there can be made an agreement that seafarers they can travel in the same manner and respect as a, a flight crew and, and 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 so on and for you personally then when do you think you'll next be 
setting foot on dry land? Uh, me personally, I think uh, next time I'm going to set a foot on land is going to be when we are back in Denmark, in Aarhus, on the uh, 3rd of uh, March. Normally, when we get uh, to the various uh, Singapore, for instance, I do like to go ashore and uh, have a cup of uh, coffee at the coffee shop or something like that and take, uh, take the weight off and, and uh, have something else on my mind. But uh, in the current uh, position and times, I don't think that is, uh, that is really an option. Thomas Vilborg aboard his container ship in the middle of the sunny Mediterranean. You can find more information on the seafarer situation on our website. In the article that accompanies this episode of World vs. Virus, find that at weforum.ch slash podcasts. Subscribe to that and to World vs. Virus on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please join us at the World Economic Forum Podcast Club. Just search for that on Facebook. You can find all our coverage of COVID-19 and all the world's big issues at weforum.org and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, and on Twitter using the handle at WEF. Thanks to all my guests this week and a special thanks to Gareth Nolan for help putting the podcast together. Thanks to you for listening. For now, from me, Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum, goodbye. <laughs>